Hi, this is Kyle Blakely, and you're listening to COS 23, The Mayor's Race. This is the second of our two episodes that we're doing today. This is my interview with Wayne Williams. Wayne finished second in the April 4th election with just under 21,000 votes, which was about 11,500 votes fewer than Yemi. As of the April 15th reporting period, Wayne's now raised $637,000, the most ever raised by a mayoral candidate in Colorado Springs, and that's an increase of only $17,000 since the last reporting period, but still a total of $114,000 more than Yemi has raised at this point. However, Wayne's already spent $616,000, so as of April 15th, he only has $21,000 on hand, about $80,000 less than Yemi. So it's going to be interesting to watch the fundraising over the next few weeks. I hope you enjoy the episode. Wayne, thanks for being here today. I appreciate it. Congratulations on making the runoff. Thank you very much, Kyle, and appreciate the opportunity to come back. We uh, actually really appreciated that first interview. We did a link to it on the front page of our website. So anyone who wanted to get that more detailed information than you get in a one-minute answer or a 30-second commercial could get that. Oh, great. Glad it was helpful. Obviously, you announced you were running for mayor several months ago, but really campaigns kind of heat up in the, you know, 90 days, even closer to the election day. Leading up to that first round on April 4th, what did you learn on the campaign trail this year? You've run for office before, and I know you're you're no newcomer to campaigning, but what was anything interesting that you learned on the campaign? Well, this is the first time I've run when you've had 12 people running for the same office and just one slot. Uh, I did run for city council and won, but there were three of us, and so it wasn't the same type of dynamic uh, that we're able to win out of those 11 uh, four years ago. Uh, but this was a very interesting scenario. And, of course, many of the people I was running with happened to be friends uh, that I've helped or worked with over the years. Yeah. Uh, I think the of the top five finishers, four of us were, at one point or another, Republican county commissioners here in El Paso County. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the folks that I have worked for, supported, worked with, uh, and so it made it interesting, and it was interesting to deal with uh, conflicted volunteers. So there were times when you'd have, uh, you know, one of our neighbors, very active, uh, helped me put up a bunch of signs, but was then driving Lajinos in the St. Patrick's Day Parade <laughs> uh, because, like— just like I was friends with a number of them, so were a number of the volunteers. Yeah. And that made it a little hard sometimes for folks to say, do I want to spend a lot of time when I like half a dozen of you? Yeah. Um, and so that was a little bit different. Uh, that was the unique part of this particular campaign uh, with everyone you know, having so many and many of us having similar friends. Yeah. Over the, the course of this tons of forums out there talking to a lot of voters. Is there any issue that you changed your mind on or your opinion changed a little bit or your idea on how to solve it might have changed a little bit? I, I think for because I have been very involved in city government issues as a member of city council, as chair of the utilities board, uh, I didn't have city issues where I'm going, Oh, I never knew that before oh, uh, yeah. because I had been involved, 
had been part of making policy, part of addressing these issues. There's certainly things I learned over the course of the campaign, uh, certainly concerns from individuals or particular points of view. Um, and part of that is, I think, something that happens every time. But in terms of a, a change in policy, I did have some people who said, well, if you change your view on this issue, uh, then I'd be with you. Um, and uh, you know, one of those actually was on the uh, recreational marijuana stage. I had a mm. nice meeting with an individual who said, you know, you're, he favors legalizing all drugs. Uh, I don't. And he said, and if you did this, everyone who supports legalizing would vote for you. And I'm going, but that's not where I am. And yeah. uh, I didn't uh, dance around the issue. I yeah. was honest. Because in part, I, you know, as a member of city council, I supported our resolution that said we urge people to vote no. And the people have voted no in Colorado Springs with respect to sales of recreational marijuana. Um, it doesn't mean that you know, there aren't options available, uh, and certainly we collect the Pikes Peak RTA tax when someone goes to Manitou. Yeah. Um, and that's all part of the process, but, you know, there were certainly advocate, advocates who were saying you should change your view on this or, you know, if you would do something differently. And part of it is because I do have a record and a knowledge. I was not that neophyte running who's going, oh, well, suddenly I've learned that, you know, Russia isn't our friend after all. They invade people. Yeah. Uh, it, there wasn't that kind of aha moment. Yeah. Uh, and I think because of my background and, and the work that I've done in the past. Yeah. So one of the questions I asked last time you were here was your top three issues. Um, have those pretty much stayed the same, kind of were your priorities? They, they have. I, from from a perspective of talking to folks and, and, and visiting with folks and – and interestingly, as you listen to the other candidates, many of them have adopted or have reached the same conclusions I did. I'm not saying they all did it because I did, although I've been involved in, in the race, at least in some way, for a long time. Uh, but public safety, uh, our roads and infrastructure, and our economic vitality. Um, now, I think some things have changed since we visited uh, on public safety, for example, both the Police Protective Association and the Colorado Springs Professional Firefighters, Local 5, have endorsed me since, I think, our first interview. Yep. Uh, and so, you know, the fact that the men and women who are actually putting their lives on the line to protect us uh, and who are familiar with my record have said Wayne Williams is the candidate who we best trust uh, to protect our public safety it means a lot to me. Um, and particularly so because... You know, in the case of the firefighters, they endorsed another candidate for city council four years ago. Uh, and so despite the fact that we were on different sides, uh, I've worked to address those issues. I've developed a good relationship with them. And the fact that they supported me over some other candidates, uh, some of whom have had involvement in that area before, uh, but they recognize that when it comes to actually Funding and prioritizing our public safety, I'm the candidate who will do that the best. Um, so the issues haven't changed. Some of the support has changed. Um, with, uh, you know, I think Sheriff Joe Royball was already on board. Uh, you know, former DA Dan May is, is endorsing my candidacy. So people have actually been involved in that public safety 
uh, are very much supportive. And, and to me, that means a lot that the people who have day-to-day actually doing it. Um, I, I've seen enough s- surveys or other information, gone to enough forums to know that public safety is a big issue. Our roads and infrastructure, both roads, water, uh, the key things that government's responsible for are a top priority. And that's because every day we use them, right? We may not, we hope not, right, to need the firefighters every day in our daily life. True. But all of us, for the most part, are going to use water on a daily basis. And most days, except if you're ill or something else, you're going to use the roads as well. Or you've got this great work from home set up because sometimes maybe you don't. But that delivery service that came to your house, they used the roads if you didn't. Yeah, yeah. Um, One issue, and I can't remember, I should know this, but I can't remember how much we talked about this on the last one, but one of those three issues, economic vitality. So where, what do you see the mayor's role in that issue being? Where do you feel like you can be the most help in helping economic vitality or expanding our economy or diversifying or whatever, but in looking at that issue, what role does the mayor play? So first, it's it's important to note that government doesn't create those jobs. Government facilitates economic vitality. Um, and we do that in a couple different ways. Uh, one of those is making sure we have the resources necessary, right? So that we acquire the water that's necessary to to bring people here, to bring good jobs here. Uh, and I think we talked about the agreement we did with Bent County yep. where we're acquired, have the rights to acquire 15,000 acre feet enough for 100,000 people. Those are some innovative things that I've played a role in. Um, but there's also part of it is that they're looking at what is the cost if I move here? So as a county commissioner, I helped eliminate the personal property tax, which is the cost you pay on machinery or equipment if you run a business. Uh, Most of us don't even know that exists. Uh, I didn't until I opened my own business. So I opened my business, and the assessor sends this wonderful note saying, Dear Mr. Williams, I understand you've opened your business. I've not received your personal property tax declaration. I'm going, my what? (laughs) Because, I, look, I paid sales tax on my furniture when I got it, my computer, but I found out that, yes, I now, need, because I was running a business, I had to pay a tax every year on the stuff I've already paid a tax on. Um, and, and so that, particularly for the some of the best employers, the ones that have a high capital investment so they can pay better wages, mm-hmm. They have a high capital infrastructure and thus a high personal property tax. So at the county, we eliminated it. The city later followed suit and eliminated it. Um, It's still there for some of the other jurisdictions. Um, But one of the ways is the tax structure. And so we run as a cost for government. Colorado Springs has one of the lowest costs per citizen of any of the 100 largest cities in America. Uh, Ballotpedia said we were actually 100th. Uh, that, but that was a couple years ago, so I'm, I'm, I'm leaving a little bit of wiggle room. We might be somewhere in the 90s as opposed to 100th. Uh, but that cost per citizen matters for someone who's going to relocate. When you come, does government work? So how easy is it to set up your business? How easy is it to get an approval, the building permit, all of those things? We've got a great system that works. And I've talked to a lot of companies that have been here and other places 
fact, I was sitting by uh, someone yesterday at lunch who was talking about, you know, comparing how easy it is to go through that process in Colorado Springs compared to Denver. Um, we want to facilitate it because when you're talking about a, a time to market, uh, the quicker you can do that, the better. Um, we also have an incentive program that's based not on pie-in-the-sky promises, but it's tied to actual results. So if you tell us you're going to hire 100 people at 100,000 and you only hire 90 people at 100,000, you don't get the same incentive as might have been discussed because it wasn't actually delivered. And so there are performance-based incentives that are there. And then part of it simply being the, the salesperson for our region and, and and telling people, and you know, whether it's hosting folks or visiting with potential folks who are relocating uh, or expanding here in our community, because it's not just relocations, it's also uh, organic expansions, which are an important part of that process. Yep. So all of those are things that the mayor plays a role in, but most of it is to facilitate private industry making those decisions, creating that environment where they say, yes, this is where I want to go. And, and part of it is also making it the kind of place that people want to live, yeah. um, particularly when, you know, when it's the folks that are actually going to be living here. We've got some great opportunities to sell this wonderful community, or whether it's Guard of the Gods Park or uh, you know, a trail or some other amenity that helps distinguish us from many of the other places. And uh, it, it's part of what I did. As Secretary of State, for example, I convinced my colleagues that this is where they should hold their national conference. Unfortunately, my successor didn't follow through. Um, <laughs> but it because it involves some work, and, and I understand that. Um, but I have been an advocate for our community. I continue to be, and that's true whether I'll be mayor or not, but I obviously want that opportunity because I think I could be effective as someone who made that decision himself. Uh, as someone who chose, who had a job offer from the same firm for either Denver or Colorado Springs, I chose Colorado Springs, and there's a reason, and I want to continue to make this that great place that all of us ultimately are going to choose instead of someplace else. Nice. One of the things you hear occasionally politicians talk about my first 100 days. Here's what I'm going to do when I hit the ground running. Have you thought about that? I mean, what do you see as kind of the the most urgent things that you want to get moving on? So, look, we've got, we just uh, installed four new city council members on Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, I was there at that event. Um, and, uh, and so I, I, I am now freed, in some, as, <laughs> as someone might describe it, from my uh, 6,000 a year job as a city council member. Um, it was odd sometimes when someone describes that as a career, and that's not much of a career. Um, you know, but in terms of uh, that process, one of the key things the next mayor is going to have to do is to decide, and I already have, what that relationship is going to be with city council. You've had two strong mayors. One of them had a very different relationship than we've had in the last eight years with John Southers. Yep. Um, our budgets have been on the consent calendar. We have worked together. We've been cooperative. We have accomplished things as a community. And I think we do much better, Kyle, when we work together than when we fight. Um, it doesn't mean there will always be unanimity, but working together is going to be a key part. And so visiting 
both with my former colleagues on city council and with the uh, four new members of city council. I'm honored to have the support of the majority of city council as I go forward into the runoff. Um, but working with them uh, to say, how, what are your goals? What are your priorities? How can we work together to accomplish them is a key part of it. Another key thing that's got to take place within those first 100 days is the budget. Uh, so we have an annual budget. That process takes place and is shaped over the summer. So it'll be one of the first things the new mayor does. Um, I voted for the prior budgets. I, I don't disagree with where they are. Uh, there are certainly some tweaks and other things we have to look at and how we address uh, needs in our community going forward. Uh, and so having those discussions, not just with the city council, but with also the different department heads and say, you know, what are your priorities? And then yep. making those decisions of which to balance, because there's always more desires than there are funds when you're run as the, one of the most fiscally prudent cities in America. Uh, one of the other aspects that will be there, it looks like uh, you know, we'll have that discussion, uh, but it appears that there is a taper excess again this year. Uh, we weren't necessarily anticipating it yeah. because we weren't sure with the economic uh, potential slowdown what was going on. Uh, but should we do a retention, and if so, for what? So we have done, and that's a cooperative discussion with city council. Um, we have had a uh, three Tabor retention elections. One of those was for parks, um, yeah. and that received widespread support. Uh, one was for public safety. Uh, and, and this is important because you, know, you talk about what is actually a priority for voters. Uh, as there were parts of this country that were saying defund the police and, and all of these other crazy ideas, uh, we had a public safety taper retention, and 60% of the people in Colorado Springs said, not only do I not want to defund the police, I want to fund them more, and I will even give up my small tax refund to fund the police. Yeah. Uh, and, and so that was one. And then the other one we just did, uh, the most recent one, uh, again, all of these going through the people like you're supposed to do under the Colorado Constitution yeah. and the Taxpayer Bill of Rights, things that I support, um, we did one for fire mitigation. And we actually did half and half. So half of it was a refund and half of it was fire mitigation. And the voters approved that, creating a fund that allows us to begin to mitigate not just our area but some of the adjoining areas to try to ensure that we are protected as a community. And and Kyle, you've seen that in Waldo Canyon with Cedar Heights, in the Black Forest Fire mm -hmm. with Cathedral Pines, two places that had mitigated and it played a significant role in the ability to address the fire and re significantly reduce the consequences in those two areas. Um, but those are some of the discussions that have to take place yeah. immediately, which is the budget, whether to do a Tabor refund, and if so, uh, or if you're going to ask the people, then what do you want to ask them? And then what are the uh, priorities of the new city council members and my returning colleagues to say, how do we work cooperatively there? Because I truly do believe that government functions best when we're working together to accomplish our ob objectives. Uh, it's something I've been able to do on city council and in the other places that I've served. Uh, we've been able to work and get things done. And I think people want, you know, if, if they're going to 
say, I'm going to send you some revenue, you better deliver on it. And that's part of what I've been able to do with things like the Pikes Peak RTA. Good. You know, as the as the campaign went on, one of the things that, who knows how, I don't know how much it was out there. We all have our different circle of friends, people we talk to. One of the only negative comments I heard was that you would simply be a continuation of Mayor Southers and not anything really different or new. How would you respond to that? And I mean, and I know I asked you at one of the forums, I asked you this question, didn't end up using it on the podcast, but I asked how you might, how you saw you might be different than Mayor Southers. So it's all kind of tied together, but how would you answer that? So first, uh, I think first you have to look at it and say, has John been successful as a mayor? And I think the answer is yes. We've addressed critical needs that our community had. Uh, Some of those included we had not addressed stormwater and were facing a massive lawsuit from the EPA and others because of our deficiencies. John addressed that, ultimately worked with the citizens of this community to have a funding source to address that need. Uh, We had roads that were not repaired at all in decades. Uh, And so he worked with city council and a group called Colorado Springs Forward uh, to get funding and voter approval for 2C, which has actually delivered again on the specific list of promises that were made. Um, Our economy has gone from 30 billion to 40 billion in eight years. So it took us uh, over 140 years to get the first 30 billion and eight years to get the next 10. And so we have made tremendous progress as a city. Uh, John and I agree on a lot of things. We are both conservatives who want to govern uh, and actually make government work. Uh, But that does not mean we see the same on everything. Uh, I, for example, am here today without a tie on, so that would be (laughs) one difference. Uh, And it's not that I don't respect the office, I do, I just, and come from a different era in which uh, uh, that's not as critical a thing for me. Yeah. Uh, we also come from different backgrounds. So I come from a legislative background working to actually make things work. John comes from a prosecutorial background. Um, and so sometimes that shapes our different perspectives. Uh, having said that, both of us had significant elected executive experience which is what you have to have to run an organization the size of Colorado Springs. Um, you know, I, I'm a little more amenable to things like work from home. Uh, so in some of our employees' cases, they may be more productive in some jobs working from home a little more often than we currently do. Uh, and we found that with some people during the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't mean it works for everyone, and it doesn't work for every job. And so those are all part of the process. Um, You know, I I think one of the differences that I can point to specifically uh, while I've been on council is during the Black Lives Matters protest, I advocated strongly for the creation of the Law Enforcement Transparency Advisory Commission. Uh, John was not a big fan of it, uh, but ultimately he did go along and agree uh, but it's one of the things that I approached it from a different perspective. Yeah. Um, I thought it was important to have that dialogue as an advisory panel. Um, 
first, I think that controls should never be sent to some unelected body that's not accountable to anybody. Uh, our charter vests that responsibility with the mayor to be accountable to the voters, and that's the way it, I, you have to have that direct accountability, I believe. Um, but having that dialogue, so we created a commission that included a couple of the leaders of the Black Lives Matter protest. We also included the former police chief, who was our first Hispanic police chief, Lou Velez. We included mm -hmm. the widow of a slain sheriff's deputy. So we, we brought together people from across the community geographically, experientially. Um, sometimes I have to fumble a little bit make sure I say it right. People with different experiences, as, as you would uh, change it to. Uh, but we brought them together, and they've made some recommendations that have resulted in significant changes in the city budget, so the creation of alternative or the expansion of alternative response teams uh, because it's not always armed officers that may be the best response. Um, that's about a half million dollars that's now in the budget that wasn't there before because of LETAC's recommendation. Um, so that's an example of something. Mm -hmm. and, and each of us during our time are going to face different issues. If you told me when I ran for clerk and recorder that I would need to figure out how to run an election in the midst of a wildfire, uh, I would not have guessed that that would happen. But primary election day was June 26, when the Waldo Canyon fire came into Colorado Springs. And I was running the primary election ultimately evacuated that day uh, from our facility on Garden of the Gods. Mm -hmm. uh, but we made sure that every vote counted. We secured the ballots before we left. We took steps to ensure they were protected. And then under sheriff's escort, we went in a day or two later to pick them up and take them to another site where they could be counted. And I won a national award for that work uh, from the National Association of Secretaries of State. I wasn't Secretary of State at the time. I was clerk. Yeah. Uh, but that group gave me a national award because of the work that we did during Waldo Canyon. That was a challenge I wasn't expecting, Yeah. but we delivered. And that's part of the responsibility. And that's what comes from actually having had that elected executive experience where you've had to make those decisions. You've had to adjust to the circumstances. And so John faced a certain set of circumstances over the last eight years. I will face different circumstances over the next eight years. Some of them are going to be similar, right? Yeah. Where public safety is not going away. Our roads are not going away. Uh, and making sure we address those is something that we're, we're going to continue to do. Um, but I think for myself, I make my own decisions. I do come from a similar conservative philosophy that John does. Uh, but that doesn't mean we're, we agree on everything. Holly and I have been married for how many years is it now? 37 years uh, coming up on. And uh, we don't agree on everything. And so we work together. Uh, we've been together. Uh, we've got four wonderful kids. We've, got, we've made this place home. Um, but the fact that two people are aligned or supportive of each other does not mean they're going to be identical. And so... I'm going to make the decisions I believe are the best, seeking input, going through that process, working with city council and the public. Good. Since we talked last time, there's another issue that's popped up in the community that just in the last couple of weeks is this land use bill that the governor's trying to get through 
uh, up in Denver. What's your take on that issue? I, I mean, again, we're a home rule city. I don't know if it's going to so, impact us, but what's your view on it? So, so here's my view on it. Uh, it's bad. Uh, right. So part of what local government is supposed to do is make those land use decisions. That's yeah. the way Colorado structured. Those decisions should never be made in Denver. Uh, I actually sponsored a resolution adopted by city council unanimously saying that we disagreed and urged the defeat of uh, Senate bill 213. I think is the number of it. Yeah. Um, uh, and so I am adamantly opposed to it. Uh, I have visited with a sponsor and let uh, Senator Marino know that I am not a fan. Uh, it is not the role of the state. If the state wants to address affordable housing, which is their argument here, they should address the construction defects litigation that makes it so condos don't get built. Yes. And that is a state responsibility because it's their law that has significantly impacted it. And I don't know if we talked about this, but in a recent year in Colorado Springs, we had thousands of homes built, thousands of apartments. And you know how many condos we had built, Kyle? Probably 10. Seven. Seven. Okay. And that's not seven buildings. That's one building, seven condos. <laughs> um, and so how does somebody find that entry-level home ownership product? Yeah. Right. Because ultimately, that's, I think, the goal you know, it's nice to pay rent to someone and have an apartment, right? And I was a student. I, you know, I I had an apartment. I then rented a townhouse. But at some point, you make that transition to home ownership. And if it's as expensive as single-family homes are, not having that condo available is a huge disservice to the next generation who's looking for a home. Two of my two of our four kids have bought homes and for both of them it was a condo to start with yeah um and we don't have that and so if the legislature truly wants to address affordable housing fix the law so we can do it by the way this is not a wayne williams specific issue michael hancock in a state of the city speech told him the same thing john hickenlooper in a state of the state speech back when he was governor told him the same thing yeah. it's not that they haven't known they need to do it don't usurp local control and our ability to have that dialogue, to have that discussion, to try to balance those needs and interest, don't send that to Denver. Yeah. As long as I can remember construction defects, those laws have been an issue and a, and a hindrance to, like you said, building affordable housing options. So I agree. I, I think it'd be, I'd love to see them do something with that first before they start yeah, overreaching with the land use decisions. And it would be great, you know, if we could change the price of lumber and make it so, you know, everything was cheaper in a home. Can't do that. We have, as I, I think I mentioned before, we've eliminated the sales tax on building materials for attainable and affordable housing. We've created a fund to address um, water resource fee that we've added to developers. We've added a significant fee on developers for water resources, but we did create a fund to address that need for affordable and attainable housing. Good. Obviously, now with the strong mayor, the mayor gets to decide who his team is that's going to be around him. Have you given any thought to who you might want for your chief of staff or any decisions like that that you've kind of come to a conclusion on, or are you still thinking through all of it? Um, anytime that I have... To, um, succeeded in an organization 
when I've come into office, I've looked at who's there and I've had the discussions with folks. Uh, I never come in with a let's throw everybody out because they're the ones who actually have the knowledge and the experience. Um, in many cases at the city, I have been part of the confirmation process uh, for our police chief, for our fire chief, uh, for a number of others, for a new parks director. So I believe we did choose the best people for those positions. Uh, I am certainly not coming in saying, yeah, I voted for them a week ago, but now I think, now that I'm mayor, I want somebody different. Yeah. Because if I thought they weren't the best person, I wouldn't have supported them uh, through the process because I've been part of those interviews. Um, in terms of chief of staff, city attorney, some of the more senior positions, uh, I believe we have folks that have been doing a good job there. Uh, ultimately, of course, there has to be a willingness on their part to say, I'm willing to do things Wayne's way because yeah. Wayne's going to be different than John and the way he approaches some things. Uh, when I became Secretary of State, uh, I kept the same Deputy Secretary of State that had served Scott Gessler. Uh, but what she did under my tenure was very different than what she did under Scott's. Uh, and so it was interesting because some of the people who – I had a couple of the clerks who were saying – Please don't keep her. Uh, she's mean. I mean, they said it. They said it a little differently than that. But she was doing what Scott wanted. By the time I finished, those same people were saying, "We love her. She's doing an awesome job," because she was following the instructions that I had given and yeah. was doing a phenomenal job of it. Um, and so I think for each of us, each as I step in, it's going to be that discussion of here's what I want to happen. And so I remember having a discussion with a new parks director uh, as a member of city council, not as mayor, but saying, One, these are the things I think we need to address. So, for example, uh, we had lagged behind in terms of addressing parks needs on the east side of Colorado Springs. Yeah. Uh, it's one of the reasons why that TOPS initiative that we worked on together a couple years ago failed because you looked at it and it was passing on the west side and losing horribly – east of, of powers. Yeah. And so one of the challenges I gave her is to address those issues, and we have been. Uh, yeah. We've begun a process for looking at how we address Jimmy Camp Creek. Uh, we finished the master planning process for Coleman Park, which is uh, by the old Sky Sox Stadium there. Yeah. Um, and, and so those are key things that are different that I asked be done, and I'm not saying I'm the only one that asked those things be done, but as you go forward, you're going to be looking at how to address the needs of this community. I am hopeful that uh, people who have that experience, that knowledge, are going to be wanting to continue that work. Um, there may be at times I have made decisions over the time I've been an elected executive to say, you and I seem to have a different way we want to approach this, and perhaps this isn't the best combination. Uh, but I don't come in saying, before I've even worked with you, I want to toss you. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think that would be fair to them or to the people of this community who have a right to expect that someone's going to know what they're doing in a job. I, I know there's sometimes people who say, I'm running and I'm going to put all my cronies in and I'm going to put all my friends and everyone who helped on my campaign is going to have a job. <laughs> and that's not my process. That's not what I think is the right thing to do. Uh, 
not to say that people who helped or who didn't help, right? I've promoted people who've donated to an opponent before. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately, I, I think when you come into an office, uh, I, I've, I know Mayor Sellers has told both of us who were in the runoff, he's got a briefing book, he's got He's going to have descriptions of what's going on uh, in each of the departments, and he's going to share with us his assessment of what's good, what needs to be improved. Um, I think we're doing a lot of great things as a city and doing it for a lot less than other places do. Um, replacing this with a large bureaucracy like you see in other cities, not my goal. Yeah. Throughout this process, who is somebody that's supporting you that surprised you? That they that they came to you and said, I'm supporting you for mayor? You know, I, I think um, the most um, surprising in terms of what's going on before would be the firefighters. Because, as I said, four years ago, they were backing my opponent. Yeah. Um, one of the opponents running for city council a different race, just to be clear. Um, here's And here's the reality. I don't agree with them on one of their key issues, which is I oppose collective bargaining. Yeah. And they know that. Uh, and so for them to look at the overall, who's going to be in the best person to deal with public safety and support me, means so much to me because... That wasn't the natural. There were there were people who thought, oh, you know, this other candidate's been involved in some issues, so they'll automatically support that candidate. Uh, or, you know, they'll only go for someone who supports collective bargaining. Um, and in this case, you've got a vote of the people of Colorado Springs that says, we don't want that. Uh, but I think what they recognize is that I am someone who's going to work with them, someone who's going to have the conversations with them, Who's going to have the tough conversations? You know, as we as we've had that as a member of city council, and I am so honored to have the support of a group that didn't support me before, but has had the chance to work with me and now believes in me and trusts me. So obviously, votes in the first round, everybody votes again. You got about, I think, around nineteen thousand two hundred votes in the first round. If the same number of people vote, you're going to need about 55,000 votes to win. Do you, and maybe you don't want to share strategy or anything like that, but where do you feel like or where are you looking for those votes? What kind of approach are you guys taking? How do you get from 19 to 55? Well, I, I think uh, both of us were significantly short of 50%, yes. right? I think no one cleared 30%. Uh, so that means both of us are going to be out reaching for additional votes. Uh, one of the things I'm really excited about, uh, we just added Jody Ritchie as our field coordinator. She was the campaign manager for Sally Clark. Hmm. Uh, we've had a number of people come on to the and campaign. And I think Jody's helped you before, too, hasn't she? Jody has helped Holly before in her campaign. That's right. Uh, but she's helped a lot of Republicans before. Yeah, she has. Um, and so part of it is reaching out to folks. You know, when you look at the total numbers, about 70% of the electorate voted for a conservative, 30% voted for someone more on the left side. Uh, I think it's a very winnable race, and part of it is helping to bring folks together. 
for that difference in philosophy because I think that's important. Um, I am a re conservative Republican who works with people on both sides of the aisle. I've got a track record of having done that. But I do start from a certain philosophy that government should be small, that we, sh that we should support private industries, that we shouldn't be trying to dictate social engineering or any of those other things, that instead government should do the functions it's supposed to. Roads, public safety, things I've talked about in the yeah. campaign. Um, and, I, and I think f from where I need to get those other votes, it's from people who voted for one of the other 11 candidates. Um, we welcome anyone coming on board. And I think as it gets down to a more defined difference that we will be able to do that. Um, you know, as I mentioned, I think earlier in the podcast here, we had uh, four Republican county commissioners at one yeah. point or another uh, take four of the top five spots. Uh, and so it's working to consolidate support from them, their supporters, uh, and recognize ultimately now that it's defined there are two candidates. One of us is a conservative Republican. The other's not. One of us has elected executive experience, has actually made tough decisions, and run large organizations successfully. The other has not. And so I think looking at those differences is what's going to help going forward. And, you know, I absolutely think, uh, you know, that the other candidate running is a very nice person. I like him. Uh, individually, but I believe our city needs someone with that elected executive experience and someone who shares that philosophy that our city does. Um, we want to be welcoming to everyone, but government has limited roles, and I'm the one that's actually got the track record of having delivered that. Nice. Who is a politician that you most admire? So uh, I'll give you two, one at the national level, one at the state level. Okay. So, And both of them shared something in common. So I grew up in the 70s. Uh, my high school yearbook picture has uh, me with a Reagan Bush, the time is now button. And one of, the, one of the formative people in terms of modeling how you deal with things for me was Ronald Reagan. And I say that because Ronald Reagan first worked with everybody, right? He got his tax cuts through a Democratic House with the Speaker Tip O'Neill because these two Irishmen worked together and had respect for each other, even though they were very different philosophically. Mm. And so he was working with everyone, but he also had strong opinions and was willing to speak those. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall, <laughs> is not a wimpy statement, right? That yeah. is bold leadership based on his philosophy, based on his desire for freedom and liberty, and I saw that in Ronald Reagan turning around what was a disastrous economy, disastrous foreign policy under the prior president, who, by the way, was a really nice guy. Yeah. I believe that Jimmy Carter may be one of the best people and one of the worst presidents. Um, <laughs> he, was, he was not effective, but I love, you know, he's yeah. out building homes for people and, yeah. and one of the best post-presidencies, uh, but he wasn't a good president. And yeah. so you saw that change to Ronald Reagan. At the state level, uh, one of the people that I helped uh, work get elected when I was Republican chairman here was Bill Owens as governor. And Bill was someone else who took on tough issues. 
Uh, and I'm intentionally staying away from anyone at the city, the, the stage. I want to talk about others. But Bill Owens, as governor, took on tough issues. So we had transportation issues. He put on a trans bond, uh, transportation bond question, yep. referendum A, that passed. And then that's how Cosmics got widened. Lionel Rivera and I visited with him and said, hey, we want to make sure we get our fair share. Yeah. Let's do this six-laning of I-25 in Colorado Springs. Uh, but he was willing to take on those tough issues and work with both Democrats and Republicans to do it. So we addressed some fiscal issues at the state. And even though I may not agree with every decision he made, the fact he was willing to lead. And I think one of the challenges in a um, constitutional republic like Colorado is, is there's a requirement that a leader be willing to lead as opposed to just put his finger to the wind and and take the easy way out. And, oh, oh I'll just do a pass a fee through the legislature, which is what some others have done. Uh, whereas Bill was willing to say, let's take this to the people. And he lost some of them, right? He, he will be quick to tell you he's the only person who could lose a drought ballot measure, in the, a water storage measure in the middle of the worst drought Colorado had faced. Uh, but he was willing to try yeah. and lead and work with people across the island. So for both Bill and Governor Owens and President Reagan, each of them were willing to take on tough issues work to get bipartisan support and make a difference and be willing to to risk things. I remember, Kyle, when I was Secretary of State, folks were saying about a particular issue, you know, if you do this, that will cost you some political capital. And my response was, I don't drive every day from Colorado Springs to do nothing. Um, and I think so often uh, we have leaders about whom we have elected people about whom John F. Kennedy would have nothing to write in his profiles and courage uh, because it does take courage to do things. So I remember when we created the Pikes Peak RTA, there were folks saying, oh, you can't do that. Oh, you can never pass something like that in this community. Oh, you know, you can never get the city and the county to actually work together on something. And we did. Yeah. And then, as you know, right, because you were part of this process, we helped we created things that addressed our needs as a community, and then we listed the projects, we delivered on the projects, and it's now been renewed twice with 79.5% of the vote because we actually delivered on the promises we made. Yeah. But I was, I was a Republican county commissioner from the most conservative district taking the leadership of what was a tough issue. And that's why... You know, when I talk about President Reagan and Governor Owens, they were people who were willing to take on those tough issues yeah. and not just sit back there and be a caretaker. And I think that is what a mayor has to have that experience doing and the willingness to do. Four weeks until the runoff. What do the next four weeks look like? What would you like voters to know kind of as we finish up this episode? What so you can find out more information at winwithwayne.org. Uh, that website has a list of policy discussions. It has a list of some of the endorsers that are there. Uh, it has, uh, you know, a couple of the, the short ads we did, but it's also got long interviews <laughs> like that first one that you and I talked about that gets into some of the more detailed issues. Yeah. Um, what I what the rest of it looks like, we've got a, a series of forums that are planned, uh, a number of events. 
Uh, Thursday night, we've got a benefit concert that's being done out at Boot Barn Hall for the campaign. The Sofa Killers are going to be there. Oh, nice. Unfortunately, you're going to air this after that concert's already <laughs> taken place. Uh, but it involves uh, getting out, walking, uh, knocking on doors, making phone calls, uh, visiting with folks. Uh, it's now a defined race, and there are some differences um, and I want people to, to make that decision based on having that information. And I, and I say that, the reason I'm, I, I want that, Kyle, there's a bunch of groups that have interviewed, and both of us have interviewed with the firefighters, with the Police Protective Association, um, with the HBA, with the Apartment Association, with, uh, we've both talked to the Firearms Coalition. I mean, all of these groups and all of them that I've interviewed have all made the same decision that they're supporting me to be the next mayor of Colorado Springs. I want people to have the information. I'm confident when they do that many of them, not all, uh, will choose to support my campaign. Uh, and this is also true. I will work with everyone regardless of whether they back me or not. Uh, I've got the track record of having done just that. Um, I know redistricting is something that was on the county commissioner's agenda recently. Uh, when I was clerk and recorder and I proposed a redistricting plan, the only public comment was from the Democrat that had run against me who endorsed the plan uh, <laughs> because it was fair. Yeah. And that's part of the, the Williams record. It's one of the reasons I, I want to continue to serve so I can actually get things done, do it fairly, and make sure we continue the progress we've made as a city in the last four and eight years. Great. Well, thanks for coming in today. I appreciate it. Good luck over the next four weeks. And hopefully we'll, you know, get a chance to talk some more after it's over and be anxious to get your thoughts at that point, too. So, I'd uh, but good luck. Thank you, sir. I'd love to have that opportunity. And uh, I'll commit because I've always done this. I am always willing to, to talk to folks and uh, to be interviewed. And I don't duck from those. I know there's occasionally someone who gets in office and then you never see them again. Uh, I've got a long track record that says that's not me. So Kyle, thanks for the opportunity to be on today. All right. Thanks for being here. Thank you for listening to this episode of COS 23, the mayor's race podcast. This program is brought to you by Avant Strategies. Special thank you to producer Ted Robertson for help putting this program together. If you're interested in partnering with COS 23, the Mayor's Race podcast, you can reach out to me at kyle at avantstrategiesllc.com.